Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, our heroes join the squad, find out what makes Batman an all-star, bring back another classic villain, and Nick makes a very special announcement. Stay tuned for all of this on our 100th episode, and more! Welcome, everybody, to episode 100 of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. If you've been listening this long, God bless you. We love you in ways that, you know, we don't even love our significant others or our family. It's it's a more important kind of love. Between podcasters and podcastees. Yes. I think that's the phrase. Uh, as, Is podcaster an actual term? Yeah. I, I say that I'm a podcaster, that I'm casting pods. Did not come up on Google Dictionary. Well, what the hell do they know? I'm David. That's Nick. Interesting. And, and Nick, you, you're you apparently making a very special announcement on this, the day of our daughter, I mean, our 100th episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm not doing it right now. What the crap, Nick? <laughs> See, this is something that, you, this is something you're springing on me as well, not just the listeners. So now I'm all over here like, oh, I'll just casually bring it up in the opener so he'll tell me all about it. Yeah, no, I'll bring it up when I feel like it. Oh, this is the worst. Might might come in the next five seconds, maybe in between comic book talk, maybe uh, at the very end. We'll see. Uh, let's see. All right. If I, David. I'm, I'm going to make some guesses. I'm going to make some guesses before we, we go on here. Okay, fair enough. Go uh, Number one, uh, Anna's pregnant. What? Do I have to agree to these guesses? I'm going to take that as a yes. No, I don't think you would. <laughs> I don't think this is how you would tell me. Um, well, no, she's not pregnant. Okay. But that's the only one I'm going to say yes or no to. All right. Number two, uh, you're sterile if she's not pregnant. So, uh, interestingly num- number, enough. Number three. All right. Go ahead. I, I've had a long-standing fear thinking that I'm sterile. Is that okay to say on the show? Let's go for it. Yeah, sure. I've never tested it. Uh-huh. I mean, how would you? <laughs> right? <laughs> I've never just gone out and had a baby. But, uh, yeah, I just have, like, this random fear that I can't do that stuff. I think that, um, that's a normal evolutionary fear. Yeah, you know, it's it's common among men. That are impotent, I suppose. Uh, all right, more guesses? Uh, let's see. You are the new Superman of China. Um, not yet. I'm still trying to get my visa, but once that's taken oh, care that? of, I will be officially Chinese. <sighs> Legally, I suppose. Legal, officially, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're officially going to... Uh, you know, I could go so many places with this, but I'm not going to... I'm going to restrain myself. Uh, cool. And we're going to go to the Batmobile. To the Batmobile. Let's go. And we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about some comics and some things and uh, first though, first we're going to talk about a movie. 
That is a movie that came out this last weekend. That is called Suicide Squad. You may have heard of it. It made $133 million over the weekend, uh, which is the box office record for an August opening. But despite it doing gangbusters at the box office, it was not well received by all critics and fans. And one fan that did not receive it well was Nick. Whoa, whoa. <sighs> not 100% true. I, I didn't walk out with my comments mirroring exactly what some of the harsher critics have said. I simply acknowledged that it it had some issues, but that overall there were a lot of enjoyable scenes. Mm-hmm. I just think my my sort of oversimplified review is the trailer is better than the movie. Right, and we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. For those who are somehow not aware of Suicide Squad or uh, haven't haven't seen it, what this movie is about is that there uh, is a group of criminals who are put together as a task, a secret government task force in order for reduced sentences. And when Midway City falls under attack, this group is brought in to try and bring down that threat. So it's some kind of suicide squad, huh? Yes, they do say that at one point in the movie very early on. Uh, this is a film starring Margot Robbie, uh, Will it's Smith. It's Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's Harley Quinn. Will Smith as uh, Will Smith as Floyd Lawton, aka Deadshot. Uh, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Uh, other actors whose names I can't remember at this time. Jared Leto as the Joker. Uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. The sheriff from Stranger Things as a guy in the government, uh, which really threw me off at that time and uh common as a uh, as a gangster which we we watched the entire movie the thing ends and then debbie turns to me when common's name is on the screen it's like common was in that movie I'm like how did you not it was it was common anyway in defense he really showed up for all of five seconds and then for was quickly five minutes before getting uh shot by the joker uh, as as usual, we don't have problems discussing spoilers here in this film. Uh, so let's just let's dive into it, Nick. Why? What? What were you? So, so you your impression was that the trailer was better than the film. In what? the sense that, I mean, for an action movie, for a quote unquote superhero film, for a. Um, um, blockbuster of this type of flavor. Um, the trailer did a really good job as far as kind of getting you involved in what was going on and getting you hyped. Uh, and then it ends and you're like, that was a surprisingly satisfying trailer. Whether it was like all the scene cutting as they um, played it to the Bohemian Rhapsody, there was just a certain energy that the trailer the trailer exuded that the overall film um I think wasn't able to maintain. I think that there was some conflicting tones. I mean, you can have movies that can be, can have scary moments and funny moments and dramatic moments and, and whatever, you know, silly moments, whatever. But um, I felt like sometimes, and and this might be an unfair criticism, but sometimes a movie just didn't know what it wanted to be. Uh, Was it going to like kind of dig down and be a serious drama um, or was it really just was it was it going to be zany? Like, sure, the Joker is zany, Harley Quinn's zany, um, but you can play that in so many different ways. And I think 
the movie kind of struggled a bit with its what it was overall trying to achieve. That, um, that's, that's interesting because I personally and and I you know you kind of gave your quick review that you thought the trailer was better than the film. I will say that I will also acknowledge that there are are flaws. Uh, with this movie, but I think it's a lot better than people are giving it credit for. And I didn't feel that inconsistency in tone necessarily. I thought it was, for me, it felt fairly even throughout, but go ahead. Talk, talk more. Um, I would say, I think the two things that kind of shook the momentum was the first flashback. Well, not the first, but um, towards the climax, well, the two flashbacks towards the climax of the movie, where we saw Harley Quinn being dropped or jumping into the the vat of chemicals mm-hmm. that created the Joker, like it was a perfectly well designed scene. Like it, the scene itself was fine, but it just like it just came out of nowhere with Harley looking down like a stairwell, and suddenly, boom, flashback, and then see. That wasn't near the climax of the film. Cli- like it's, but That's it's like near, it's like, like deep into the movie. Okay, but like the way that like when you originally told me like there's a, a like a flashback near the climax, I thought like wait in in the big final action scene they cut into a flashback, which no, right. like leading up by towards the climax. I mean, like the climax I have I have set is like the final battle, and and these happen just before it, so to speak. Uh, um, this, but the other scene flashback was where they revisit how Enchantress got away. And the thing is, they already basically showed it earlier in the movie. Like, they basically replayed the scene but gave you a little bit more detail, but you didn't learn anything new from that Uh, scene. Yeah, that... I mean, that was for the character's benefit. I get, like, I get showing it to us again is a little odd. They could have just had him explaining it verbally and then moved on. I don't think... I mean, they... Yes... Uh, also, how fast can Deadshot read a giant binder of secrets? See, that's that. I did have that thought. That didn't bother me as much as them being like three days ago, and I'm like, Batman and the Flash have been ignoring this for three days because presumably stuff's been going crazy for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those threats where. Um, you feel like you would have gotten some kind of response. The the cameos by the or the cameo by the Flash, and then the couple Batman cameos were uh, interesting and appreciated. Yeah, I um, I actually really liked that. I thought that was really good. It really good. To, I, we we knew Batman was going to be in the movie, but not in his connection to Deadshot. Um, and I thought that kind of helped to tie this movie to the bigger universe, but also expand stuff because. This was our first introduction to the Flash as he exists in this universe. And they didn't, like, put a bunch of, like, pomp and circumstance around it. It was just like, oh, here he is, bringing down a criminal. So one thing I'm confused on, and I suppose it's maybe obvious, but where exactly this fall? I mean, actually, no, by the end of the movie... Bruce gets the do- spoilers. Bruce mm-hmm. gets a dossier from of from the, Waller of metahumans, um, about metahumans, uh, including the flashes in it. So presumably he hasn't met the Flash yet. And mm-hmm. I realize that this hasn't been said anywhere, so I guess it must not be true. But I got the impression that from the Justice League trailer that Bruce Wayne makes the Flash's costume. But if this takes place before Bruce no. and, and the Flash meet, then Flash must have made his own costume. No, there is a shot of Bruce Wayne when he's in Barry Allen's lair area where he like is looking at like the suit 
you can barely see like the arm of the suit, but he's looking at it. So the oh, suit okay. already exists. And okay, I, well, in that case, I take that back. And I actually thought seeing the suit in action here, it looked a lot better than it has, you know, as we've seen in still images. I, I think on some level the suit is fine. I do think that the kind of way that he gets kind of like the red pointed crotch area and then the black is kind of weird because I, just doing this from memory, I feel like the black it's just kind of just there in that section, like to break stuff up. Um, but it's not like, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to pull up the image. Where is he? He's been in a still. Really? No stills? No one, no one's going to do this for me. Well, that's just stupid. You failed me, Google. Oh, there it is. Thank you. So, okay. I mean, he does have some black in the costume. Yeah. Actually, he's almost kind of as gimpy as Daredevil in the TV show. Uh, um, no, I think Daredevil's worse, having just seen the Flash costume yesterday. So I guess the black... Basically, it's that the, the symbol on his crotch. It literally makes him look like his, his crotch is being singled out. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I don't know. I just feel like either they could... It just doesn't need to look like a freaking fireball heading towards his junk. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, I don't have any real particular <laughs> problems with the suit. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna gear us back towards Suicide Squad a bit. Oh right, yeah, that's what <laughs> that, we're talking the, the about. movie we're talking about. The other thing for me that was I, I mean, I guess this wasn't really an issue. It was just this was the biggest example of. Uh, well, okay, so the thing was that. Katana is very tacked on where she just arrives in the movie with very little explanation. It definitely felt like we need another female in here who is not Harley Quinn. Uh, so we're going to bring in Katana, which cool. I'm all for Katana being in this movie. And they just went like straight up with it. They're like, yeah, the sword she has captures the souls of the people that it kills. Her husband's soul is in there and she talks to it. I'm like, sweet. They are just going for it with Katana. Uh, doesn't have a lot of dialogue, unfortunately. Kind of saw that coming. Uh, she's still really badass in the stuff they have her do. But they're just like, oh, yeah, she's here to make sure none of you guys get out of line. Uh, be, you know, because we didn't already put bombs in your neck or anything. Uh, it just, it was very, like, we want to have this character in here, but we don't know what to do with it. Yeah, just, just put her in and, and whatever. Uh what did what did you think of of Katana's inclusion, her introduction? I agree. I mean, on one hand, it's cool from a comic book lover's perspective that they just like didn't shy away from the fact about her sword and all that. And it's also just like even compared to Batman v Superman, um, like this is a movie that really just opens the doors to DC. Like, and which is just because I think. You know, with say, and I don't mean to do this comparison. I don't do this comparison lately. Compared to the way that Marvel set everything up, like how the world kind of slowly built up, and then basically you hit Avengers, and like, boom, aliens, and just it's kind of gotten crazier from there. This was like okay, Superman, and there's fights between Kryptonians and Man of Steel. Batman v Superman had Doomsday, but it was basically still like you just had Superman, and then suddenly we're finding out all in one movie that there's magic, that there's soul sucking swords, that there's guys that can shoot fires from their hands, and and I'm not saying that the movie did it in a poor way, but it definitely felt overwhelming as far as taking just about every corner of DC's eccentricity and putting it in your face, so uh, to speak. Right. Well, and I, and I appreciated, though, they had a line near the beginning in that conversation where 
I can't remember the exact line, but it's there, there's a brief conversation where it's like, is it true that there are more people like Superman? And Waller's like, yeah, and I've been collecting them because I'm a crazy person. That's true. So, I mean, obviously, from a narrative perspective, like, there's obviously more happening in the world than just what we saw in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. So, and it was always heading in this direction. I can see why maybe some people felt overwhelmed. Um, uh, a couple, what was it? A couple of points. Oh, Slipknot? Use, useless. Like, I, I and I knew that he was going to be the first one to die, and they like they made it even so much more apparent by having him be the only one that we get like no introduction to. And that's one of the things that kind of irks me. I mean, uh, spoilers, 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 spoilers. El Diablo dies, and you get stuff on him. So as far as like the climactic but, death, yeah, it yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. They built him up a lot more though to have a lot. I mean, I actually really, really liked his character. Uh, and all the stuff they did with him as well. But with Slipknot, I feel like if they were going to... like, I get sometimes like for a team called Suicide Squad, someone has to die. But he died so... And not that he had to die in a blaze of glory, but the fact that he literally just shows up is like, yep, he's also on the team. And then five seconds after getting... You know, after landing in Midway City, he tries to escape and boom, he's dead. Like, they should have at least given the same sort of like montage... Um, flashback that they gave all the other characters just so that you actually had an idea of who he was before he showed up and died. Just I just didn't give two shits that he died. Right, right. He was there entirely for the purpose of, oh yeah, the bombs are real. Yeah. Uh, let, me, which... let me put it this way. I enjoyed the movie. Okay. There were things, there were aspects as far as like the narrative is concerned, as far as the pacing is concerned, that like bothered me, but never bothered me so much that I was like like just thrown out of the movie. Uh-huh. I had questions or I had concerns, but ultimately the movie was still enjoyable enough for me to make it from beginning to end. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I was stringing along with it fine. Uh, yeah, it for me it was a it was a you know very well done serviceable movie. I you know I can understand it not having a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but like the twenty something percent that it has is actually surprising to me after seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one thing before we move on to talk about other stuff and uh, you know get to your announcement whenever you want to drop that in uh, is you know a big deal on this movie was the Joker, and now that we've seen the Joker in film and had scenes with him. What are your feelings on Jared Leto's Joker? Um, I like him. Uh I I mean, I think if you get rid of some of like the shitty tattoos and all that, I don't mind that he's kind of like Joker gangbanger. Um, It's an interesting kind of, you know, kind of, it's sort of like the modern take on the Jack Nicholson Joker as far as being sort of the gangbanger of the time. Um, Obviously he had a bunch of scenes cut. I think, the way that they cut it almost made him kind of not having any point to be in the movie. Like you got some, you get like, I mean, there's enough there that like it, maybe they've, if they had just relegated him to the backstory of like Harley Quinn's origin and just left it there, that would have been fine. But his whole, and on another hand, I also respected and I thought like it was a nice, simple plot that he was trying to get Harley Quinn back. It was a, it was a boy trying to rescue his girl, you know? So from that perspective, it's it's very easy to follow, but his plot line really did nothing to serve the movie. He basically was a distraction, a slight diversion that ultimately amounted to nothing. Uh, see, I 
I don't necessarily agree with that. I did like his stuff in in Harley's flashback, and I liked. Speaking of that scene that you thought was really awkwardly placed and throughout the entire pacing of the movie, where Harley Quinn jumped in the vat of chemicals, I thought that actually served a really great purpose of showing that he actually loves her, because we see him starting to walk away. He's like, okay, I got her to jump in there, haha, like, I'm over it. And then he's like, ah, oh, I can't let her die, like, I actually care about her, and, like, he dives in to save her. No, uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, you're, no. I, no, I, I just made mentioned that it it made you mad just so it would make you mad and have you feel like you have to defend yourself um but as far as his his, keep going keep going his inclusion otherwise in the film served to the actual climax where she uh you know where she kind of presents herself to the enchantress and um it kind of like it took away everything that she had so that she would cling on to these people so that it kind of gave her motivation to do what she had to do at the end, whether or not that was a hundred percent and worked, you know, I think that kind of varies from people's reactions to that. Uh, but I thought that, yeah, that was like, that was totally fine. It all made sense and, and, you know, connected. With that point. Yes. I can see how that made it work. I think they probably, they probably could have still done with him just maybe being related to just the flashbacks and not interrupting the modern day the story. I can see why they went with it. Um, also, like that, the flashback scene of Harley going into that the, the chemicals. That scene is like it's good. I just think they yeah. they should have just put it in with the other Harley flashbacks at the beginning of the movie when they were doing everyone's flashbacks because she already had flashbacks in the beginning about how she became Harley Quinn. And it's like, why wouldn't you just put that one in there? I mean, unless it's just basically there to remind you kind of like if you somehow forgot an hour ago what they'd already shown you and boom, they show it to you kind of again from a different angle, then sure. See, they when they put it, when they had the scenes in the beginning, that was Amanda Waller talking about the characters and us getting the clinical information on who they are. Uh, and that was... Harley. Including Harley Quinn go-go dancing on a on a stripper pole before the Joker shoots Common. Yeah, that's that's all on the rap sheet, man. Uh, there's witnesses there. They have you know people saw all that. That was like a moment specifically between them, and and you know, and it had apparently special meaning for her. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Two okay. last things. Okay. One, I like the Enchantress. I thought the animations and how she transformed was super cool. That was oh man, when when like she first called the name out and the hand like creeped and up and like over. that was awesome. The that only time awesome. only time I didn't like her was they showed this like one shot of her when she's like trying to like raise the machine and she's doing like this weird hip dance thing and it looked super weird. Other than that, I liked her as well. Uh and your other thing? And the other thing is at the end at the on the other side of that, I thought that for the power set of this team, which was basically no powers at all except for El Diablo, uh-huh. the threat was too huge. Right, it was too big. First off, I, and to, and I'm a full disclaimer: I haven't read the original Suicide Squad story, um, but I know that the series dealt more with espionage, and while it had some superhero or superhuman elements, like they weren't fighting basically ancient gods um, trying to resurrect some kind of super machine to destroy the world. You know, that maybe they were stopping a dirty bomb or getting into sort of a political quagmire. And I thought that this movie, 
it feels like a lot of superhero movies kind of lean on like the climax is the potential end of the world. And I thought that this team could have just been sort of a James Bond born series, just sort of like a, a, a almost like a political thriller, like an espionage political thriller with the dirty dozen supervillains. Yeah. I, I think I would have preferred a, a threat more on that scale as well. Uh, they did make it work just fine, but it, it did kind of irk me in the way of there are superheroes around that were apparently ignoring this threat. Ignoring it, and I felt like, given the size of the threat, more people on the team should have died just because they're fan favorite or I like them. Like, th- there's no reason why, given what they were facing, that more people shouldn't have died. That Captain Boomerang should not be dead. Aside from the fact that dead. Though Captain... I did, I do, and I do not like Jai Courtney in just about every movie I've seen him in. I did like him in this. Yeah. So, so overall, you know, we could sit here and kind of just mention, like, I like this character, this character. That is one of the big highlights of this film. Uh, is that I thought the casting was really well done, uh, and you know, the actors did a great job in their roles. The characters were interesting for what shortcomings this movie has story wise. I thought that it actually. Uh, did really well in in the character department yeah for sure yeah so suicide squad is in theaters now we're going to move on because we do have a lot of other stuff that i know we want to talk about uh and you know we already talked about a thing that we both saw and but let's talk about a book that we both read because i felt like this is a really big book uh and that is all-star batman number one Nick, give us the the quick rundown of what this book is. It is Batman on a quote-unquote road trip with Two-Face trying to get him to a location that may or may not cure him of his Two-Facedness. That's basically the point of the book. Well, well, (laughs) don't forget that Two-Face has also put it out that he... If he makes the loca- makes it to the location with Batman, uh, that all everything that every bad thing that anyone has ever done will be released out. The information will get out. So, if you've ever done anything on the dark web, if you've made deals, uh, I mean, they, there's a line about it that I'm trying to find that kind of explains what happens. Um, bah, 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 bah. I mean, everyone, it all comes out. Every skeleton, every visit to a bad place, uh, real on the good old dark web, uh, on, on the internet, the dark web, anything will be brought to light. Uh, and so you have a lot of people, even just normal people, trying to stop Batman and Two-Face from reaching this location. Uh, okay. First off, I written, liked it. Written by Scott Snyder, art by John Romita Jr., First off, um, I felt like since John Romita Jr. has come to DC, his work hasn't been as strong. Uh, some of like when he like he would start something early, like his initial Superman issues were good, but then I felt like he was kind of rushing on some stuff for a guy that I think moves pretty quickly as an artist. Um, so this is a book where I feel like he's brought his A game. I don't know. I didn't check to see who the inker was. Uh, uh, I feel like the colorist is really working for it. Danny, Danny Meeky on inks and Dean White on colors. I think Danny Meeky works with him a lot. I know he's definitely worked with him on, I think on like Spider-Man, uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me just pull, pull it back up. Oh, no, but I, I will agree with you as you're as you're looking at that that this is 
uh, John Romita at top form in in the last couple of years. Not that anything that he's done lately has been bad. It just hasn't felt as good as it potentially could be. And this book, uh, this is, you know, this book is why you read a John Romita book, John Romita mm. Jr., not John Romita Sr. Um, it was light on Snyder. Um, Snyderisms. Speeches. Yeah. Snyderisms. Um, does it seem like Snyder has it out for Alfred? <laughs> so, yeah, that's one thing. Um, just kind of going through the, the story here is that Batman, you know, he does everything very secretly, but they get derailed very early on. And the only way that could happen is if somebody close to Batman who would have access to that has released that information. And it's pretty much set out right that Alfred was that person, but he had to. And why he had to, we don't know yet. I'm assuming it has something to do because I think Two Face even makes a comment that people close to him have secrets. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm assuming they're setting it up that Alfred has, is keeping something from Batman. So to the point that Alfred would be willing to stop Bruce and actually like put him in like a life or death situation. You know, he basically sets it up so that like he gets surrounded and, and um, cornered by these guys. Just, I mean, sure he's Batman, but. From Alfred's perspective, I don't think Alfred as a character would ever take any chances just because he's the Bat God. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. From a fatherly perspective, Alfred probably wouldn't do that. So whatever it is, has got to be big and will probably ruin the character of Alfred once it comes out. Uh, I'm just being pessimistic there. <laughs> you know, um... I thought it was I thought it was good that it wasn't like because who else really could it have been? I guess any other member of the Bat family. But then why would they be brought in on this? The only other person is Duke Thomas. And I feel like we know so much about Duke Thomas. What could he possibly be hiding right now? Well, he could be. I I think it's a foregone conclusion that Al, that it's Alfred. I right, mean, that right. scene more all all but confirms it. Um, yeah. So. I'm curious if they will even go into detail about how Two-Face was able to get all this information. I mean, on everyone, the fact that some line cook or waitress at a diner, that he has some kind of dirt on them, like how he collected it. It's just kind of one of the... The plot is definitely a high concept, like they might struggle to stick the landing, but it does... It definitely... I like this sort of... It's kind of Mad Max meets the Rat Race, if you've mm -hmm. seen that movie. Yeah, uh, it's a mad, 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 or a mad, 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 mad world, which kind of which preceded the rat race. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it it does have a high concept, but then they're executing it on a very small scale, and it's a really great time for them to bring out a bunch of at least early on a bunch of really random villains, uh, and I'm curious to see who else they they drag up to get, uh, you know, to get thrown around in here, uh. And I'm curious what that, you know, that weird giant batarang that we see strapped to Batman's back is going to is gonna come into play. Um, but there were some very, I thought, very classic badass Batman moments. Like when he uh, gets attacked by the black spider uh, and, you know, he thinks that he's killed him and he walks over and it's, oh, wait, no, it's just like a bat-shaped, like, log. It's not actually Batman. And then he turns around and there's Batman with a chainsaw. And, like, a couple panels later, we see him standing over Black Spider with, like, his mangled, you know, robot spider legs and the chainsaw in one hand. And the villain comes up who's like, I'm gonna seize Batman and just runs away. Uh, it's 
it's like so badass in this very like clean way that I feel like you know a lot of comics have been going towards like we're gonna have things get really like ultra violent and like crazy and this was just like it was like a badass moment in a PG movie uh, that didn't feel cheap at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm super curious to see what the explanation is going to be of, um, I like, I'd also like a super cut of all the times I've said I'm super curious throughout this podcast, because probably at least twice an episode, but the last time we saw Two-Face in a Scott Snyder story, uh, Two-Face presumably killed himself. And as far as I know, that has not been brought back up, whether or not he survived that. Uh, so clearly he survived clearly or he was survived, brought back to life or in the whole rebirth shuffle, they, uh, they just kind of hand waved on that. So I wonder what, uh, what the explanation is going to be there. I, I get the feeling. I wouldn't say the Snyder ever outright ignores other people's books, but I don't feel like he's going to address it in this. But I'm pretty sure it was Scott Snyder who did it. No, it was Peter Tomasi and Batman. Was it? And Robin. Oh, it was Batman and Robin. That's correct. Man, I completely forgot about that. Um. Also, I like that we're going to see Gentleman Ghost next issue. That was fun. Oh, that yeah. will be fun. Oh yeah, that was a great one. Um. Also, I. I I'd be curious if this was is if this is intentional and that there's going to be a larger story behind it. But the two villains at the beginning in the diner, Firefly and Killer Moth, looked eerily like their suits looked really they, alike. Like their updated yeah. suits, not what they normally look like. And the design aesthetic was very similar, as if they got their suits from the same person. And then when Black Spider came, also um, very similar. Yeah, also very similar. I don't think there was any comment in the issue. No. About the suits. So I'm wondering if it was just Ramada being like being told make them look different and then just made them look the same. Yeah. I don't know. That's one thing that I guess will uh will kinda come out. Uh oh, okay, I see the, the wooden figures. Now it all makes sense. Uh they yeah, it was also very similar to just like Spider Man in general, the black spider costume, which I thought was interesting. So this is obviously DC being like Spider Man's secretly a bad guy, guys. Or this is uh how how Marvel's gonna reveal their new thing in the future with I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh but overall, All Star Batman, very, very solid opening to this story. And I, there was I, a backup. You forgot the backup oh, right, the, by the, Declan uh, Shelby and yes. uh, art, uh, colors by Jordi Belair, who got engaged. Oh. Okay. They actually were in a relationship and are now engaged. Congrats to those two. Ish. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a backup story that seems to kind of flesh out Duke Thomas a little bit uh, being brought in on... And I'm going to be honest, I kind of skimmed this story, so I'm not quite sure uh, what happened in it. Um, they're trying to figure out who, so they found these victims that had these cuts though. And the way that they were cut was that if one cut tries to heal, it causes the other cut to be worse. It's some sort of weird torture uh, thing. Um, that's, that's scary. Uh, so they're trying to figure out who it is. And it's a, it's, I think one of their first nights out together as partners. Uh-huh. Uh, and Batman keeps saying he's doing something different with, with Duke Thomas different that like, he's not a Robin. He's supposed to be better than a Robin. Right. And he even I, mentioned that in Batman number one, or like in the rebirth issue of Batman. 
Yeah, but I'm curious because I feel like he's not doing anything different with Duke. So I'm really curious when that will diverge and Duke is actually somehow established in a way where he doesn't just serve a Robin-esque role. Yeah. Um, well, what am I trying to say? Oh, um, there's a hint. So, okay, I'm just going to read it. So there's a thing that Batman has called the Cursed Wheel, which is something that Batman probably wouldn't have called it, but is definitely a Snyder Batman-esque thing that he would. <laughs> um, so it's so Batman says, it's a condensed version of all my training, all my years abroad, but sharpened, applied to tenants taught to me by Alfred Tenants about the deepest aspects of human identity. Every part of the wheel is designed to test a different part of your psychology. And Duke is like, I'm not looking to be a sidekick, Bruce. I... And Batman says, it's not the training to be a sidekick. It's the training that comes next. Every ally who's trained with me has gone through it, whether they know it or not. It's what comes at the end, what makes you who you are. The hero you'll become, or even the villain. <gasps> In which case, Duke says, villain? Jason? And Bruce says, no, someone else. Oh, how did I... Man, why did I kind of skim through this storyline? So uh... there's a hint... That either there's like a hidden Robin or some sort of secret protege of Batman who went rogue more so than Jason Dodd. Um, so we'll see how that develops. Crazy quilt. It's crazy quilt. Yep, crazy quilt. Because everything's color coded. It's crazy quilt, guys. I figured that so one person. One person said, uh, or online was suggesting that it um, it might be Two Face, pre Two Face part, but. Oh, I don't think so. I, guess yeah. I think it's a new character. Yeah, we will see on that. Unfortunately, that's kind of all the time we have on uh, on books. I know we usually try to get three in there, but you know our movie talks also tend to go long. So uh, I say that we kind of just move ourselves on into the news, Nick. What what say you? Unless you have like a book you're really itching to comment on, real quick. No, I uh, I think I'm good. Uh, Deathstroke was pretty good probably that's a book I do want to talk about but probably when more is out Mm -hmm. I feel like there will be more to talk about later on Spider-Man and his amazing friends are bringing us the news and uh, we'll go ahead and dive right in with Black Manta being revealed as the Aquaman movie villain not unexpected? No, not at all. I mean, who else Who else would it even be? Ocean Master, which I think they talked about him being in it. Or maybe they cast him in Justice League. Like, I, I, It sounds like in Justice League they're, probably, they're going to explore some Atlantean characters, like having Volko in it. Um, mm. So it'll be curious to see. Yes. Um, I mean, do I think that they're going to do the giant fish head, fishbowl head thing? Not fishbowl, that's Mysterio. But what his his manta head mask? I don't think so. No, but they could do a pretty cool similar version. Uh, I I don't think that the the head looks even that ridiculous. I don't know. We'll see how they how they mix it up. I know there was already some concern expressed on Reddit where I found this news story that you know with how they've redone uh, Lex Luthor and how they've redone uh, the Joker that uh, like they're going to do some crazy stuff with Black Manta. But part of the reason I feel like they won't is because we haven't had several versions of Black Manta in a movie yet uh, where Joker and Lex Luthor, we've had a 
you know, a number of different iterations on the screen over time. So you bring in new actors who are going to want to do new things with these characters. This is them going straight from, you know, ground zero with Black Manta and they can do, you know, whatever they want, but there's probably not a lot of room to really change things up on. I mean, there's not, I think there's really a need to change things up on him. You know, I mean, I think, character motivations all that wise there's not no reason to really change them i just think in the suit i'm actually i googled black manta and i was trying to look for potentially uh interesting looking black manta suits um i just don't see him going with his mask like they'll change up the mask i i agree uh, but i'll be i'll be curious to see how that works i mean i don't think it's uh news that he's um you know the bad guy but I'll be curious to see how he plays into it. Yeah, he's had several different origins over the years, so I don't I don't think anybody can really get too held to one unless you're a fan of the New 52 one, which was he was an assassin who holds a grudge for the death of his father against Aquaman, uh, which was an accident. So, But we will see as more news comes out. I'll be curious to see uh, who is cast to, to play it. Uh, I think that there's potential for, cause he's a very menacing villain. Uh, even though, you know, the costume might be a little goofy. I have always found him a little creepy. He's very intimidating. Yeah. When, when written, written well, he's a very intimidating character. So that's, I don't know. I think that's, uh, it's pretty cool for them there. It's pretty cool. It's uh, uh, pretty cool. In, in other news, Emily Carmichael has been tapped to direct Lumberjanes for Fox. Uh, as this loads up for me. So rising indie filmmaker Emily Carmichael will direct Lumberjanes. Uh, consider the female version of The Goonies. Lumberjanes tells the story of five young girls at summer camp who must unite to fight a supernatural threat to the camp and the surrounding forest. I still have not read the first volume of Lumberjanes. Have you, Nick? I have not. I might have it on... Um, comicsology, but I, I have not read it. Um, looking to see r- real quick here what other stuff Emily Carmichael has directed. So it's mostly uh, shorts. Actually, it's pretty much entirely shorts. And she has one movie that oh, has just been announced. So she hasn't even directed a feature yet. Uh, this is this will be interesting. Uh, I'm glad, though, that they got a female director for this film. Um, And this is one that I'm really excited for in the sense that I love, you know, coming-of-age stories, I think I've mentioned. And if this this is going to be in the vein of Goonies and whatnot, this will be, like, a really cool thing for my nieces, uh, you know, potentially any future daughter that I have. So yeah, I'm I'm all in on this movie being awesome and Emily Carmichael, I hope that you're the person to do that. Yes. Congratulations. Nick, what else? Uh in other news, this is int- well so more Hellboy is coming in twenty seventeen, which I guess shocked some because technically Hellboy's story has his present day story has thus wrapped in the l- most recent issue of Hellboy in Hell. Um 
because you know he died and went to hell. Uh, I haven't you know read that far, so I don't really know exactly how it was resolved. But um, he's returning in an original graphic novel set um, as he is taken aboard a uh, I think it said a phantom pirate ship um, set between. And I now I have to pull it back up for what part of. So it's Hellboy Into the Silent Sea by Gary Gianni, Mike Mignola, and Dave Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that means Gary Gianni's writing it and Mike Mignola's drawing it. Um, yeah, I couldn't quite figure that part out. Because yeah, I figured he was done drawing after Hellboy in Hell. Um, or maybe it's Gary Gianni that's drawing. I guess I never Googled it. But it's set... Uh, it's following the classic the events of the classic story, The Island, which I think is one of the volumes of, of, of Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy is one of those characters that I love, and I've been slowly, slowly collecting the various volumes. And once I have them, I'll eventually go back and read them. I've read like maybe the first five or so of his of volumes of Hellboy, and then the first few of BPRD. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely need to go back and just kind of read them all and absorb the entire narrative. But uh, yeah, it's cool if you're a Hellboy fan. That's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, no, for sure, uh, and. I will say the thing that I always say whenever there is a, a uh, Aquaman or Aquaman. Pff, I just saw the word Aquaman on this page. Whenever there's a Hellboy story, if I really hope to read through all of Hellboy one day, which will be nearly impossible by the time I actually start reading Hellboy because they will have every second of his life depicted and you will have to spend a lifetime reading it to be able to get all of it. That's not true, but still. And, and uh, to be clear, Gary Gian looks like he will be the artist. I uh, just Googled him, and he is an artist. Excellent. And then what was the thing you were getting really excited about before the Hellboy storyline? Not excited about, but you're about to talk about our other news story, it seemed like. Uh, no, uh, no, I, I was oh. not. Well, okay, you confused me then. Uh, <laughs> well... Okay. For those uh, fashion-conscious comic fans out there, soon you'll be able to buy suits in Marvel and DC, with Marvel and DC patterns of various kinds, uh, coming from fun.com. You will be able to buy suits that have ties and insignia and, and lining that all feature various comic book symbols and and imagery and whatnot and uh i think this stuff is fun.com but i wouldn't wear this to like a wedding or anything like that i just don't think i would ever wear it yeah i could see this being worn by you know people who um you know people who are going to do a comic related event but that's kind of about it yeah. Uh, oh, um, some just over the wire news. Uh, the Flash has cast its Mirror Master. That's a popular oh, Flash villain that is, is yet to actually appear on the show. This is for the TV show? Yep, for the TV show. Cool. Uh, Friday Night Lights alum Gray D- Damon. Gray Damon, interesting name. Will be Mirror Master. That no other idea. That can't be his real name. Also in breaking news, uh, Suicide Squad, the films, Captain Boomerang is... Definitely a brony, according to director David Ayer. Um, well, duh. Captain Boomerang on Suicide Squad is a big fan of My Little Pony, which probably explains why he took the pony doll uh-huh. during the movie. Oh, Gray Damon is his actual name. That doesn't seem okay to me. It's a weird name. Who would name their child Gray? 
Gray might not be an uncommon name necessarily, but in Gray Damon just sounds like Gray Demon. Gray Damon. Bring me Gray Damon. In uh in he was born in Bloomington, Indiana, so somebody from Bloomington write in to tell me about the name Gray, because that doesn't seem okay at <laughs> all. My name is David, and I have a really big problem with people named Gray. It's true. If your name's Gray and you're listening to the show, please keep listening, but know that I hate you. Uh, Do you not like Fifty Shades of Grey? Uh, that's his last name, so I can get over that. Uh, I did not watch the just the not Justice League Luke Cage trailer, Nick. Oh, I did. I did. did. So I why don't it. why don't you tell tell us like how does that looking up? How's it shaping up? How's the tiaras and the cuffs and the whatnot? So one thing they tease is during his transformation when he when he's being experimented on, like and it all hell breaks loose when he steps out, like the the stuff that was keeping him restrained. Looks like his metal bracelets and the tiara. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, pretty funny. Um, Rosario Dawson's in the trailer, or she talks in the trailer a lot. And I part of me feels bad for her because every single line of dialogue that they pull for her in the trailer is, like, really on the nose. Like, talking about how, like, maybe you're the hero of this world that the, the Harlem needs kind of stuff. Like, she's just, all of her dialogue is just kind of, like... What's the word I'm looking for, David? Uh, it's like on the nose. It's um, it's it's push like it's, it's it's all just about kind of propping Luke Cage up. Like you know, you can't hide in the shadows. You gotta go be a hero. Maybe this city needs this city. Ham- that it's like someone it's from fist- Arrow wrote it's like, the it's script. Like, it's a little ham fisted. Ham fisted. It's it yeah. literally is like someone from the CW shows wrote the script for the the trailer or. The, yeah. Or help cherry pick these scenes in the show where she's basically just there apparently to be the moral support for Luke Cage, mm-hmm. um, which I guess has kind of been her character so far is kind of like the Coulson of the Netflix verse. But um, it just was like glaringly obvious how every time she, like Rosario Dawson spoke, it was some sort of gal- um, gal- galvanizing, just all about propping Luke Cage up and mm-hmm. getting and motivate motivating. It was all about motivating him. Other than that, um, I mean, some of the action scenes looks cool with him, like, busting through, like, walls and breaking down um, gates and, and shit, and he's invulnerable. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it, so it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'll be watching it, too. I was listening to uh, another podcast I enjoy this morning, and they were talking about how uh, every Netflix season is better than the last and he even mentioned like Daredevil season two was so much better, but like really Daredevil two, <laughs> Daredevil season two was not better than season one. Uh, but I'm I'm very excited for Luke Cage. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk recently, people being like, why haven't they crossed over the TV and the movie universes yet? And that actually is a topic that I'd love to talk about a bit more in the future. Uh, real quick, the reason part of the reason from Kevin uh, Feig Feig himself that he said is that. Uh, the movies are planned out so far in advance where TV shows are planned a few months in advance before production starts, really, that it would be really hard to do. Uh, like, cause think about if you decide in, you know, you decide, okay, we're going to have, um, we're going to have Bobby from agents of shield show up in the next captain America movie, uh, that's coming out in like four to five years. Like we want to mm-hmm. make sure that character's there you know, we're going to write the script in a couple of years and blah, 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 like kind of carry through production, have her there. But they're writing the storyline in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that makes a lot of sense for her character to retire or her character to die or something like that. And now they can't follow through with it because 
now they're beholden to this character being in this movie. Or like the Netflix characters, they're changing outfits every like season or so. Like, are you going to have them be in the outfit they're in when they were filming the movie? But then like by the time they get to the show, they're in a different outfit. It's it's all a complicated ordeal. And I mean, the people we obviously want to see the main heroes. Like, forget the side characters. Like, we want to see the main heroes meeting the other main heroes. And it's great when you can do it on a comic. And but when you're dealing with like coordinating people's schedules, which again isn't impossible. But you're, if you're saying, "Hey, I want Daredevil to pop up in an Avengers movie," or, or "I want like," and you could take like if he was going to have a more active role, then sure. But that's also going to be conflicting with him with him filming for the TV show. That's probably not going to work. And as fun as it would be to just have a cameo of a hero, you know, of Daredevil walk on screen or have Charlie Cox walk around in the background and on some like city street where it's like, oh, look, that's Daredevil. As fun as that would be, like, it's not really worth it as far as production costs because they have to pay him. Uh-huh. They have to fly him out there, set him up, get him in there. And then and then send them out, and it's just it's from a technical and production standpoint, it's not worth it. Yeah, I saw this poster supposedly for Infinity Wars Part One and Two. It was fake. Yeah, no, it's obviously fake because they're no longer called Infinity Wars Part One and Two. But somebody was trying to say on Facebook, like, I have friends in the industry who say that this is accurate, and I'm like, does your uncle also work at Nintendo? Uh, but like, that, beside the fact of having every single TV show character on there. Uh, they also had Tilda Swinton, which is like, why would they have the ancient one in this movie? Eh, anyway, anyway, that's going to wrap up the news for us. Uh, and we're now winding down towards the end of the show and, uh, you know, seeing if there's anything else that needs to get talked about before we move on to recommendations. Uh, you know, no, I think we can just go to recommendations. I think there's a question that we need to be asked. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Yes, we are. David, what do you have to recommend? I'm recommending a podcast. It's an episode of The Nerdist with Paul Dini. It happened a few, a couple of months ago, so you're probably going to have to go look that up. But uh, it's pretty interesting to hear about his story, and they talk about his time on Batman. <laughs> Man, you uh, really want to know what my I want to know what it is. is so bad. Okay, David. So it's not comic book related, okay. except for the fact that I'm leaving the show. You're not leaving the show. I'm not leaving the show. I'm you, contractually obligated you have for a all eternity. It's true. Um, so as you know, um, I made Andrew my best man, mm-hmm. and um, it was a hard decision. And um, yeah, I'm really bad at this. Um, let's just say that. Uh, Andrew has his strengths, but one thing that he wanted to shy away from was, how do I put this? He did not want to make a speech. And the speech is really important to me as far as how my wedding goes, like on the actual wedding day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, you know, trying to decide, okay, well, if not him, then who and it would be a great honor if you would actually stand up and effectively be or perform the best man speech for my wedding at the reception on the actual wedding day. 
Oh, oh man, I, I had nothing. I, I had nothing prepared for this moment. Just. <clears throat> it's no, my I recommendation. <laughs> I don't. I don't have an actual uh, paper prepared there, people. Uh, but man, this. Um, uh, short answer: Yes. Uh, longer answer: I was going to write a speech to give at your rehearsal dinner to uh, try and one up whatever speech was going to be given on the day of the wedding. Uh, so this is great. I just have to write the one speech now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, technically, this, this... you still would have only written one speech, assuming that you weren't going to then interrupt was, whoever did give the it speech. It was going to be such a great speech. You were going to be like, repeat it tomorrow, <laughs> uh, which I guess would just then be the same speech. Uh, but no, this is a tremendous honor, and I would love to do this for you. So thank you for uh, thinking of me for this situation. <laughs> You're uh, you're very welcome. Um, you know, I think about our friendship. I'm going to get mushy now, and in many ways, you're you're really one of my oldest friends. Um, for those, that I think we've explained in the podcast that we actually met through the Invaders in Message Board mm. way, 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 way back way when, way back in the day, way back in the day. And frankly, I talk to you every single day. I see your face at least once a week. <laughs> okay, this is starting to get a little romantic. <laughs> no, what well, I just mean that you know, from like, I think some people. I'm not saying that people did, but now, you could be like, oh, like they're just like they met online. Like some people could argue that it's not like a true friendship, but as far as all my friendships, like you're definitely one of the truest friends now, that I've ever had. And Nick, do this... you want, do you want me to give the speech and also say the vows and wear the wear the wedding dress? And is this where this is going? David Anna was never real. <laughs> I knew and, it. And it's all been an elaborate ruse to get you to step into the role that I created for this fictional character oh called my, my fiance oh my goodness episode 100 is going to feature surprise <laughs> engagement people <And laughs> just no, kidding but, no no but definitely i'm now like just talking out of my ass because i got nervous and then i don't know how to shut up but yes i would like you to say the speech at my wedding absolutely thank you for this honor i hopefully will not let you down well, you probably will, but that's okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you no, no, have? No, I'm excited. Do you have any comic book recommendations? Uh, uh, do I ever? Have you have been failing the past few weeks. I basically have used my free time to play video games, and then I read comic books on the day of the podcast. Okay, maybe we should relook at at recommendations. Maybe we'll have to broaden it a bit to some other things considering we've been doing this for a hundred episodes and sometimes we both struggle to, uh, to find I mean, recommendations. So technically there's always something to recommend. True. But whether or not we actually consumed it enough to give it a proper recommendation, let's face it. Sometimes we've given some pretty half-assed recommendations. This is, this is true. Um, like, so yeah, the, yeah, we'll, you know, going forward, 101 on maybe we will change recommendations up a bit but that's an off-air conversation wow. and david let's just take a second to reflect this is our 100th episode this is our 100th episode we yeah it's speechless we don't know what to say we've never actually probably gotten to 100 of anything i don't think that's... i've ever had more than 100 dollars <laughs> No, that's, yeah. that's not true. We've had like 150. Well, it really has been, uh, it's been fun. Absolutely. I know that 
you know, we, we've been doing this mostly for us and, and for people who out there who are listening. We appreciate you immensely. Uh, thank you so much. If you want to tell your friends, finally, after 100 episodes about the show, that'd be appreciated as well. Uh, but, Gracias. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, we're going to we're going to keep going on because there's nothing that's stopping us. So, here's to the next 100. Cheers. I don't have a glass. Here's my cell phone. I can't cheers go, the cell phone. Go. Hey, it looks like a flask on the camera. Go, 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 go. Oh man. Anyway, now I'm going to have to be sober at your wedding. This changes everything, preferably. <laughs> well, Nick, do you have anything else you want to say on this the day of our 100th episode? Nope. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, and you can find out more about the show over at heckyeahcomics.com or you can follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. And you can email us about your thoughts about our 100 episodes or stuff I should say in Nick's wedding speech because I have no idea what I'm going to say positive about this guy, people. Uh, you can send those thoughts to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram and send the thoughts to me there all under the username DavLuz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And uh, you can find Nick, I don't know, you know, being Learn, Nick. Learning how to count to 100. Sure, yeah, because he has no idea. I told him we got, <laughs> I could be like, we got to episode a million. He'd be like, that makes sense. Uh, you can always find us here next week. If you enjoyed the show, then please do tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, bye.